This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. You're in Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22. I want you to look at verse 31, if you will, here this evening. And I'm going to read until that of verse 34. And the Lord said, can I just say anytime God speaks, we ought to listen. That's what we're going to ask God to do here tonight, to speak to us here this evening. And if God speaks, we ought to listen. But here's what uh, the Lord Jesus said. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Amen and amen. Listen, I love it when my people pray for me, but I tell you, and I want you to know, there's one person I definitely want praying for me, and that is God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord... I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Stop right there, if you will. Keep your Bibles open here. Here's what I want to talk about here tonight where the Lord Jesus calls on Peter and says, Simon, Simon, here's my message tonight when God calls twice. When God calls twice. You say, preacher, where are you going? Just stay with me here tonight. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you'll meet with us here this evening. Lord, I pray that you'll bless your word. Lord, we can't, we can't go away from this place changed unless, dear God, your word is blessed by that of the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, I pray humbly that the Holy Spirit will fill me, empty me of self. Lord, I just want it to be about you. I want the Holy Spirit to have that of great liberty here tonight. Lord, I also pray this, that every one of us will be in agreement with God and in agreement with that of the Word of God. Because, Lord, when we disagree with God, Lord, it does nothing but grieve that of our own life. So, Lord, be with us here tonight, Lord. Again, I ask, fill me with thy Holy Spirit. And in thy name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We come tonight to one of the rare double calls of that of the Bible. Now, when I say double calls, here's what I'm talking about. There were several times in the Word of God where God would call upon an individual where He would call their name twice uninterrupted. In fact, there are nine double calls in the Word of God. The very first one is found in Genesis 22 where God called Abraham, Abraham. By the way, it was right when Abraham was about to plunge the knife into that of Isaac, where God had commanded him to offer his son Isaac. I Can I tell you, I, I believe this all in my heart. Abraham, and not only Abraham, I think Isaac was very thankful that God called him double. Double call. You know, you know uh, we, we read about in Genesis chapter 46 where um, uh, Jacob has found out that his son Joseph, who he thought was dead, was really alive, was down in Egypt. And he goes and sacrifices, and, and in this sacrifice, he's asking God, should I go down to Egypt? 
And then in that answer from God, God calls him twice. Jacob, Jacob. Uh, I think you know the story from Exodus 3 where Moses is on the backside of the desert and he sees that of a burning bush and when he approaches, God calls Moses, Moses. And a little bit later in the Old Testament, there's a double call to a 10-year-old boy or a little boy by the name of Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. By the way, I want every young person here to understand something. God can use young people. You don't have to be an adult. You don't have to be that of a senior saint. God can call and God can use anybody. Then one moves to that of the New Testament and there's a double call uh, uh, where Jesus was at the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha and where uh, Martha, where the Bible says that she was in the kitchen preparing and was very frustrated when Jesus says, Martha, Martha. We read about in the book of Acts where a man who was... Um, uh, just, just, just um, uh, persecuting that of the early church. And we know him as Saul of Tarsus, but he's holding letters in order to arrest more there in Damascus when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul. And there are other double calls. There's, there's that of where Jesus speaks to that of the city of that of Jerusalem. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And then, of course, to me... I think one of the greatest double calls is when Jesus himself was on the cross of Calvary where Jesus is hanging between earth and that of heaven where he's redeeming mankind where Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But tonight we come to a passage of Scripture here where Jesus, just before he's being crucified, He's meeting with His disciples in an upper room where, where Jesus reveals He's going to be betrayed when then Jesus says to Simon, 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 a double call. Now listen, I think we'd all agree with this, that God should ever call us once. That ought to be enough to garner our attention, our full attention to that of God, that we ought to listen but just imagine this, when should God ever give a double call, don't you think we ought to definitely take heed? Now, I don't know about you, when I was growing up, we didn't have things like Nintendo. We didn't have that of video games. We didn't have the t uh, technologies uh, uh, like a lot of kids today. In fact, we literally went outside and played. How many of y'all did that as a kid? That's why you're well-adjusted. Okay, and I did the same as a kid. I grew up in Charlotte, and, and uh, especially in the summertime, we'd, we'd get up at the crack of dawn, we'd go outside and play, and, and we'd play all day, and we really didn't like it when mom would call us to come back home to eat lunch and, and, and to eat dinner, and, but we'd come and when she said, but especially after dinner when we'd go back out, you know, we, we were still playing, we were still going full force, and when the sun was starting to go down, and starting to get a little bit dark outside, my mom would come out the back porch and open up that screen door and she would call out, David! David! Time to come home! Ever happen to any of y'all? Of course, we ignored our mother because there's still light outside. Still time to play, still things to do. But I knew my mom was serious when my mother would go, David, Michael, 
Memes. By the way, they didn't need texting. <laughs> they didn't use megaphones. Isn't it amazing how mama doesn't need a megaphone? But I knew as soon as my mom said, David Michael Mims, I knew she was serious. Now stay with me here tonight. When God gives a double call in your life, God's being serious. So I want to look at this double call here tonight, and I just want to show you that Jesus meant business not only with Simon, but I think Jesus means business with us. And here's what I want to do here tonight. By the way, let me just give you a little bit of background to this story. You know the story. We're here in chapter 22 of Luke, and you want to talk about a chapter that is packed full with things that are happening at a breakneck speed. Things are happening in this chapter. I mean, there's that of the supper where the disciples meet with Jesus in the upper room, and Jesus institutes what we know today is that of the Lord's table. We know that the disciples were arguing there was strife among them who was going to be the greatest. We know about when they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and supplications are being lifted up by Jesus Christ Himself. And uh, we also know about the sufferings at the end of this chapter that Jesus suffered during that of hanging on that of the cross of Calvary. But also in this chapter, there is a sifting that's going on. Satan is desiring to sift one of the disciples who we know of that of Simon Peter. But here's what I want to say. In spite of all what's going on, in the midst of what's about to happen, in spite of the fact that one of the most pinnacle of all events, in fact, the pinnacle of all events is about to happen, where Jesus is going to be hanging on Calvary, where he's paying the sin debt for you and for me, Jesus takes the time to give a double call to that assignment, to give a warning to that assignment. You know, on our way here uh, uh, to the church here tonight, and we traveled uh, a little bit of distance away, and where we were, a very huge storm came up. I mean, it was a it was, a, it was a major storm. We had lightning strike right in front of our car, about 100 yards in front of us, and my wife screamed uh, when it happened. It, it, was a, it was a very vicious storm. If you've ever been at home and you've been watching TV, you have seen once in a while, uh, maybe scrolling at the bottom, suddenly, you know, that, that, that sound that comes on TV, what's, I can't even imitate the sound. Uh, you know, uh, it's just that weird sound, but it's meant to let you know that the, a weather report is about to come up. You know, and sometimes they'll say this, that it'll name the various areas and it'll say a watch has been put in place for that of a tornado. Now, you know what a watch means. A watch means that conditions are favorable for some very severe uh, weather, whether it's a tornado or very strong winds. But every once in a while, it will not say a watch, but it will say a warning, a warning. Now, there's a difference between a watch and a warning. A watch, as I said, is that the conditions are, are perfect for that of a terrible storm, but a warning is this. A storm is happening. A tornado is in the vicinity. It is traveling somewhere. How you need to take shelter, how you need to watch out. Can I tell you, this double call is not a watch. It's a warning. See, this is, not, this is not going to be, hey, this could happen, that conditions are maybe possible for this, but this is happening in your life. And what was true of said of Simon is true of us. 
how that Satan desires to have you. You with me here tonight? Now, by the way, I praise God that my heavenly Father, that of my Savior desires to have me as well. He desires to have me for that of his delight and for a delight in that of my life, but Satan desires to have me for one purpose, for that of utter destruction. You know the verse, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may what? Devour. Devour. So with that being said, by the way, can I just add this? When you got saved, you not only gained the greatest friend you'll ever have, and that the Lord Jesus Christ, but you also gain the greatest foe you'll ever have, and that is Satan himself. And here's Jesus Christ saying to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have thee to sift thee like wheat. So with all that being said, here's what I want to do. I want to give you three things that's essential for your life you need to know. Now listen, normally when I preach, I normally do not ever request this, but I am going to request this here tonight. I'm going to request that you write these three things down. Because listen, what I'm going to preach here tonight is very practical, but it's very personal. And you need to hear this. This is very essential to your daily walk without the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we are in a battle. A spiritual battle. It's real. It is destructive. And so you need to listen here tonight because the things I'm going to talk about here tonight, the average Christian has a tendency to forget, and that's what gets us in trouble. So there are three things I want to talk about here tonight. I want you to write them down. Somewhere maybe do something where you can write it, put it on your mirror in the morning so that you can remember these three things every single day. So write these down. Number one, number one. Write this down, if you will, and don't forget it. And that is this. Don't ever underestimate your foe. Don't ever underestimate your foe. See, I, I believe the whole reason that Jesus, when he talks to Peter, he gives a double call because he is trying to warn Peter, hey, Peter, don't you ever underestimate the devil. Don't you ever underestimate your foe. In fact, I, if the Lord Jesus Christ were standing behind this pulpit here tonight in the flesh, and if he were able to speak to us here, I don't think he would just say, Simon, Simon. I think he would say, David, David, don't you ever underestimate the devil. Don't you ever underestimate the foe. I think he would say here tonight, Scott, Scott, don't you ever underestimate your foe. I think he would say to whoever you are, Jerry, Jerry, Susie, Susie, Jack, Jack, don't you ever underestimate your foe. In fact, put your name in there. Because if there's one thing I think the average Christian has a tendency to do is to underestimate the devil. We don't think the devil can do what the Bible teaches that the devil can do. You see, you see one of the things I think that we have fallen into a trap about is that we believe that the devil is this, that he's just a universal devil. And by the way, he is a universal devil. Here's what I mean by that. We know that the Word of God teaches that Satan is the God of this world. That he's the one who pulls the levers and pushes the buttons and pulls the strings on how this world thinks and what is the philosophy of this world, what the world believes. By the way, that's why the devil is in control of Hollywood. 
control of that of Nashville, control of that of Washington, D.C. or Raleigh, North Carolina. And by the way, I think he's the one who controls that of our universities today and our schools today. By the way, this is one of the things, I'm glad you got an awful lot of students going to that at Bible college because one of the things that has always scared me as a pastor with our young people who've grown up in our church, who've been taught the right things, the biblical things, but then they go off to a secular college, and can I tell you, they are put through a grinding meal of destroying everything they've been taught from that of the Word of God and from the house of God, and many of our young people come back believing what the world believes. Listen, we know Satan is after the institution of that of, of the home, and we know he's after that of the church as a whole, and we know he's definitely working and literally destroying that of our country. But I'm here to tell you, the devil is more than a universal devil. He is a personal devil. And that he's not just only after the church. He's not just only after the home. He's not just only after that of the U.S. of A. Let me tell you what he's also after. He's after you. You. And I'm talking about you as the individual. And sometimes we forget that. Well, friend, what we're doing when we don't understand that is we are underestimating the devil. Now, if you're listening, say amen. amen. I want you to hear me and hear me well. I think you ought to know this, and I think you already know this, that you and I are no match to the devil. <laughs> you say, oh, hold on, preacher. I read my Bible every day. I, 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 I pray every day. I spend time with God. Hold on. You're talking about how that God helps you. But you and your own ability, you and your own strategies, you and your own skill set, you are no match for the devil. Listen, the only way we can ever win against God, uh, that of Satan is by the power of God and by the blood of Jesus. He, that is the only way. But you and I are no match for the devil. And just when you think you've got him whipped, watch out. That's when he's after you. Because you're overconfident. You're underestimating that of your foe. You know, I, I, I get so upset at these, what I call... Joy Boys of TV, the Joel Osteens, the Joyce Myers, the Creflo Dollar. What a name to have as a TV evangelist, Creflo Dollar. You know what's amazing to me is that they want to teach their people who watch them that they on their own can have victory over the devil. Can I tell you? Tell that to Job. Did not God Himself in Job chapter 1 describes uh, uh, by, by God's own lips bragging, I mean, maybe brag is not the right word, but lifting up that of Job before Satan Himself, how that He is an upright man, one who fears God, one who skews or hates that of evil. Uh, but yet, when God removed His hedge of protection, the devil was able to do anything he wanted to without a joke. Now, God limited, but my point is this. You and I are no match for the devil. None of us are a match to the devil. I'm here to tell you, friend, that uh, 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 we're no match to the devil when it comes to his power, when it comes to his ploys, when it comes to his persuasions, his preparations, his plans, his patience. Can I tell you, we got a very patient devil that's on our, on our backside. He's a very patient devil. He's smarter, 
stronger, smoother, slicker, slicker, more subtle than us. My point is this. Don't ever underestimate your foe. Listen to me, folks. If Satan can convince two people who were created perfect, who had no sin nature, who was in a perfect environment in that of the Garden of Eden, and if he can persuade them to rebel against God, who do you think you are with your fallen nature? We are no match for the devil. Listen, that's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Devices. Listen, Satan has all kinds of tactics, has all kinds of traps, has all kinds of temptations. He can come to any one of us, and if we're not careful, we can give in to his devices. You know, I, said, I quoted the verse a little while ago, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion. Why does, why does God describe Satan as a roaring lion? Because he wants to paralyze us with fear. Then he goes on to say, walketh about. He's not running about in order to get you. He just patiently takes his time, takes his tactics, uses his strategies, because, friend, even Satan knows we're no match to him. Then he goes on to say his purpose, seeking whom he may devour. He sets up his devices. He sets up his traps. He's willing to wait to trap us. That's why I say, don't you ever underestimate your foe. Can you listen to me here very carefully here tonight? I just want to speak to the men just for a second. Don't think, don't think that you can beat Satan by that of your own ability. That's why, men, you ought to always be careful where you go, what you look at, what you listen to, who you hang around. You say, wait a second, that's the kind of stuff that ought to be preached to teenagers. That's the kind of stuff that ought to be preached to us as adults. Amen. You know, one of the things, and, and listen, I've never talked to Brother Hooks about this, but I'm sure, listen, if he's, you've been pastoring here for 11 years, you've been up there at Crown for how many years were you there? Nine years, 20 years in the ministry. We have counseled. I know, I, I, I've been at my church for 29 years. The last 19 years as pastor, the first 10 is that of youth pastor. And I want to tell you, for as many years as I've been in the ministry and as many years as you've been in the ministry, we have counseled men, man after man after man who got caught up in things like pornography, got caught up in things. And by the way, you know, here, here's what I would hear from some of them. Well, preacher, I'm not in that hard pornography. I'm in that soft pornography. That's not near as bad as hard pornography. Can I just give you a little, little clue here? A dull knife will kill you just as easily as a butcher knife. Listen, I'm here to tell you, if that's the attitude of any man here tonight, well, I'm not in that hard stuff, it's the soft stuff, Satan's got you. He's going to destroy your life, destroy your marriage. By the way, ladies, these romance novels, be careful about that. Be careful of what you watch on TV. And look, look, I'm not here. <laughs> I've heard many a preacher talk about those Hallmark movies. Isn't it amazing in every Hallmark movie they cook they, they, they bake cookies. Isn't that amazing? There's always some scumbag of a guy that's engaged to the good girl. Isn't that the way it always is? I hear the ladies laughing here tonight. See, none of the guys know what I'm talking about because, men, we don't watch them Hallmark movies, do we? Amen, bless God, praise God. No, no, no. But listen, ladies, be careful. 
be careful. What may even be is an innocent movie on Hallmark Satan can use to get you to think in a wrong direction. Thinking about things that you ought not to be thinking about. Well, I wish my marriage was like that. You do understand, it's a script. There's always a happy ending in a Hallmark movie. They always get the guy. Hey, be careful. Hey, teenagers, be careful. Be careful. Listen, don't ever underestimate your fun. I got to hurry here tonight, but listen to me. Have you ever seen a deer and how a deer is always on the lookout? Isn't it amazing? Uh, I, do y'all have a lot of deer around this area? Okay. Boy, I want to tell you what, I always get scared when I go down these country roads. I'm always on the lookout for deer. But I've, I've seen deer. Isn't it amazing? They'll be down on the ground just, just, just uh, munching on out of the grass, and all it takes is just one twig to be bro broken by some, somebody else, some other animal. What does that deer do? Have you ever noticed that? Hey, when the wind changes and they get a sniff of that hunter, who's got all that camouflage on. Some of y'all men are getting all excited. It falls right around the corner. Cleaning your guns, getting your bows restrung, getting them all ready. Isn't it amazing when they just get a whiff? You know what they're being? Alert. Aware. You know what we need to be as born-again believers? Alert. Aware. Would you all say with me together, don't underestimate your foe. Don't underestimate your foe. Number two, don't overestimate your flesh. Don't underestimate your foe, but just as dangerous, if not more so, don't overestimate your flesh. See, in our text here tonight, in our passage here, Jesus has just warned Peter of Satan's strategy how that Satan desires certain things of you. By the way, if you were to look at it and look at how Peter was... By the way, I, Peter, I believe when Peter uh, is with Jesus, Peter is in a very close relationship with the Lord as he ought to be. But Satan's desire was to shake up his faith, to change that, to get him to backslide. You know, I've heard it many times, and, and I do understand this when preachers say this, how that people can backslide and, it, and it, it can happen over a process of time. But can I tell you, it can also happen just like that. It happened with Peter. I mean, before the night was over, here's what he done. First of all, he became weary. Stay with me. He became weary. You know, the Bible says that they went to that, the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus gathered three of His disciples to be with Him to go pray, Peter, James, and John. And, and, and when Jesus went just a stone's throw away, that Jesus went and prayed, and Jesus asked him, pray with me, pray for me, pray with me if you will. Jesus goes to pray, and then about an hour later, Jesus comes back, and what, what are all the disciples doing? Sleeping. Why? Because they're weary. Jesus wakes them up and says, could you not pray with me for just one hour? Please pray for me. Then Jesus goes off and prays again, and then when Jesus comes back, what, what, what are these three disciples doing again? Sleeping. Why? Because they're weary. Can I tell you, Satan loves for the born-again believer to become weary. That's why the Bible tells us in Galatians uh, uh, that we're not to... Uh, uh, oh, also, my mind just goes blank. Uh, um, 
Be not weary in well-doing. Hey, why? By the way, serving God's well-doing. We're not to grow weary in it. Why? Because God knows when we grow weary, then we can go to the next step. We can begin wondering. The Bible goes on to say when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and then was led off, that the disciples fled. But Peter followed from what? Afar. Now some would say, well, at least he's still following. Not as close as he was. He started to wander away from Jesus. And then when we become weary and then we begin wandering, then we become worldly. Peter is by the fire warming himself while Jesus is being interrogated by the Sanhedrin. People come up to him and say, aren't you one of his followers? And he denied Jesus three times to the point to where even Peter is cursing the name of God. Wait a second. This is the same guy, look if you will, look if you will, in verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. What happened? What happened? By the way, I'm glad what uh, Jesus says, but I'm praying for you. But what happened? i tell you what happened. He started to rely on his flesh. By the way, when Peter said that, when Peter says, listen, Lord, I'm with you. Lord, I'm willing to go to prison. I'm willing to die for you. I don't believe he was saying that with that of a, a boastful pride. I truly believe he meant it. I truly believe he, he meant it from the bottom of his heart. He probably even said it humbly, but he said it most assuredly, Lord, I'm with you. I've got this, Lord. I'm, I've got your back, Lord. I'll, I, 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 I'll always be by your side. Lord, don't sweat it. I got this. I'll die for you. I'll go to jail for you. He may even look at the other disciples and even thought to himself, hey, they may run, but I'll never run. But what happened is this. Peter did the very thing opposite of what he said. Why? Because he's relying on his flesh. Don't ever overestimate your flesh. Now, I want you to look at me here this evening. Now, I want to tell you something that I think you know instinctively and I think the Word of God teaches clearly. I thank God I'm saved here. Now, how many of y'all are glad you're saved tonight? Amen. Amen. I've been gloriously saved by the grace and goodness of God. But when God saved you, let me put it this way. Now that you're a born-again Christian, you've got a saved soul living in an unsaved body. You know what I mean by that, don't you? Now listen, there's one of these days I'm going to get a glorified body, and I can't thank God, for, I can't thank God soon enough for that. Listen, I won't have to wear these anymore. This old ugly mug may be, in, it may be a little bit better. I don't know if the Lord's going to restore hair or not. I hope so. <laughs> not that I'm talking about anybody here tonight. <laughs> but right now, I'm a saved soul living in an unsaved body. My point being this is that, that um, I'm here to tell you no matter who you are, preacher, pastor, deacon, Sunday school teacher, Christian school teacher, that of a, a leader in the church, that of one who's a leader in the community, I'm here to tell you, we still all have the flesh. 
No matter how young you are, how old you are, no matter how middle-aged, whether you're breathing and living, listen, don't you ever overestimate your flesh. Folks, our flesh is wicked. Our flesh is vile. It's depraved. It's deceptive. And if we don't keep it under subjection, if we don't crucify it daily, then my flesh along with the devil will destroy my life. Folks, again, just as we're no match for the devil, we are no match for the flesh. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, the one who takes control of our life. He needs to be the one who fills us, who leads us, who guides us, who controls us. Because, folks, we can't do it on our own. We need God. Our flesh is too weak. Our flesh is too corrupt. Our flesh is too selfish. Don't ever underestimate your foe and don't ever overestimate your flesh. Let me give you some verses here tonight. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Why? Because your flesh will fail you every single time. Hey, Galatians 6, 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I heard a very good preacher friend of mine say this. Even the best of us is barely honest. Why? Because we may be saved. We got saved souls, but we live in unsaved bodies. Now listen, I say all the time, boy, I praise God that He saved me by His grace. But listen, I'm still a sinner. Saved by grace, but I'm still a sinner. I still have the same appetites as I always had. I still have the same desires. I still have that same drive. You say, preacher, wait a second, wait a second. What about that new nature God created in us? Amen for that. But I still have that old nature. It's still there. That's why Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17 says this, This I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. And by the way, in your Bible, that's a capital S. He's talking about the Spirit of God. And the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Remember how Paul uh, said, I think it's in the book of Romans, he says, you know those things I want to do? I don't do. And those things that I don't want to do, those are the things I end up doing. Uh, folks, why is that? There's a battle going on between our old nature and that of the new nature that God has created and be, that is controlled by the Spirit of God. Uh, I remember being a kid, I, I remember listening to that of uh, Lester Roloff. Oh, boy, I love Lester Roloff. Lester Roloff could just say it in a way that everybody understood it. Lester Roloff said, hey, you know what? Uh, this is... This is very much like uh, two dogs that are fighting. And the dog that's going to win is the dog that you feed the most. Can I tell you the same is true when it comes to your nature? My point is this. Don't you ever overestimate the flesh. Peter did. Peter did. Listen, when you, we get to the place where we think too highly of self and too holy of self, it's nothing but the flesh thinking that way. Friend, I, can I give you some good advice? Never say never. When someone that you know falls into sin, don't you ever say, well, that'll never happen to me. By the way, should that ever happen to a brother or sister in Christ? First thing you ought to do instead of go telling somebody, by the way, don't do this. Don't get up on the phone. I got a prayer request. Brother so-and-so, you know, they were caught doing this. Listen, that's nothing but spiritual gossip. Don't do that. 
best thing you ought to do is just get on an old-fashioned altar like this and you pray for them, and then you pray for yourself that you don't do the same thing. Because I'm here to tell you, there's an awful lot of Christians who overestimate their flesh that it won't happen to me. See, your flesh is capable of doing anything that a lost person can do except for this, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And only lost people can do that. That's why you need to walk in the Spirit. You need to walk with God. That's why, you, that's why your pastor is constantly trying to get you to read your Bible and to pray. And, and, and by the way, that's why he's constantly, you may get sick and tired. And by the way, it won't be the, well, I was getting ready to say the Wednesday night crowd, but it's the Tuesday night crowd. But, but uh, it's, I guarantee it, if your church is like our church and like any other church, you got people who are not here tonight, right? I'm not trying to get them in trouble. By the way, if that's recorded, took it back. But uh, you've got people, they're not here tonight because they think they didn't need it. You want to know what they're doing? They're overestimating their flesh. Now listen, every pastor understands those who work, those who are out of town, those who are sick. But I know in every church there are those who will not come in a midweek service, who will not come on Sunday night, who will not come to Sunday school because in their mind, I got this. I got this licked. And then they're the ones who always seem to struggle when it comes to their walk with the Lord. Hey, you ought to be in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night when you go back to Wednesday night, when you got revival, when the doors of this church are open, you ought to be here. Why? Because you can't handle it on your own. Don't ever overestimate that of your flesh. That's why we need to be on guard. That's why you need to be careful where your feet go, with what your hands do, with what your ears hear, with what your eye sees. Jeremiah in Lamentations said this. He said, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. It does matter what you look at because it will affect you spiritually. That's why the Bible says to keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Be careful. Be watching. Don't ever underestimate your foe. Don't ever overestimate your flesh. Peter overestimated his flesh. And he ended up cursing the name of God just hours later. Then lastly here tonight, this is the most important thing, and I'm trying to hurry here. Number one, don't underestimate your foe. Let's say that together. Don't underestimate your foe. Number two, don't overestimate your flesh. Then number three, don't misestimate your father. By the way, that word misestimate is a word. I looked it up in the dictionary. I didn't make it up. Preachers are famous for making up words. But in our story, here's what the Bible says. Look at verse 32. Here's Jesus speaking, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted. Hey, Peter, when you make things right, when you humble your heart, when you confess your sin, when you cozy back up to me, when you make things right again, strengthen thy brethren. Strength, strengthen thy brethren.
brethren. Now listen, I don't know about you, if it had been me, if I had been betrayed just like Jesus had been betrayed, if I had been lied about, if I, have, if I had lied, denied, if I had cursed, uh, 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 or if someone had done that to me, if they, if they had told me, preacher, I got your back, I'll be loyal to you, I'll die for you, and then they turn around and they just do nothing but deny, my natural reaction would be, it would be. By the way, that's human nature. That's what we would have done. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus did not turn his back on Peter. He never gave up on Peter. In fact, I want you to follow with me. You're in chapter 22. Look, if you will, at verse 60. Jesus has been arrested. Jesus is in the house of the high priest, Caiaphas. He's being interrogated. He's being battered. He's being, he's being bludgeoned. He's being that of beaten and battered and bruised. And, and uh, he's, he's been accused falsely of... of, of uh, blasphemy toward that of God. And while he's in there, Peter is on the outside of the house. By the way, I've been there. I've been to Caiaphas' house. I, I've been there. I've been to the place where they had the fire. And, 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 and I stood there. And when I stood there, I, my mind went to this very story. And here's what the Bible says. Look, if you will, at verse 60. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. So here's his third time for denying. And immediately... While he yet spake, the cock crew, then notice this, look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he has said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. Verse 62. And Peter went out. What did he do? He wept bitterly. Now I want you to stay with me here. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross of Calvary. Jesus is about to bear the sins of the whole world from Adam all the way to who will be the last person who has ever conceived. He is about to die on the cross of Calvary to redeem mankind, to reconcile mankind, to be rejected by the Father. That's why he cried out, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He's about to bear the weight of that of all that sin. He's about to be beaten. He's about to be nailed to the cross. And what's on Jesus' mind? Peter. Now listen, this is the sovereignty and this is the providence of God. Jesus is being handled by the enemy. He's in Caiaphas' house. But Jesus, as God, worked it out that he wouldn't, when he was taken out of Caiaphas' house, It'd be right when Peter denied Jesus the third time so that Jesus could look into Peter's eyes and so that Peter could be broken to the core for what he's done. Y'all with me here tonight? Isn't that a loving God? He's getting ready to die for everyone. And he's still taking the time to let Peter know, I love you care about you. I told you you'd do this. And Peter, you did it. And the Bible says that Peter went away and he wept bitterly. Now listen to me. The only way you and I can ever get back to God is we got to be broken. We must be broken. You know, I, I find it interesting that God did this, that Jesus did this, but it's because He cared 
about Peter. By the way, could that be the reason why? You do know the story how that Jesus died and was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. And one of the very first people that he encounters was that of Mary Magdalene. And in Mark chapter uh, 16, verse 7, it says this, that Jesus tells that of Mary. He says, go tell the disciples and go and tell. Do you know whose name he mentions? Peter. Why? Because God wasn't through with him yet. Aren't you glad that when we mess up, by the way, I have messed up. And I have messed up royally. And if we would all be honest before God, we would all say, I've messed up. And I've messed up royally. Aren't you glad we got a God who will never give up on us? You know, I wrote it down this way in my notes that um, Jesus did not see what Peter was, but he saw what Peter could be. And can I say the same is true about you and me? That's what Jesus sees in you and what He sees in me. Not what you have been, but what you can be. I think you know the rest of the story about that of Peter. How that he made things right with God. Go to John chapter 21. I'm not going to go through all that, but can I tell you, Peter was restored back in the presence of God. Fifty days after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Boy, if it had been that way from the very beginning. Allowed God to take control of his life. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches a mighty message from God. 3,000 souls got saved that day. A little bit later at the gate called Beautiful, on that of the porch called Solomon, he preaches a message and 4,000 get saved. Peter wrote that of two of our epistles. Peter is the one who's instrumental in that of the very instrumental in that of the start of that of the early church. Now listen, we know that God did the work, but God used Peter. He used Paul, he used others, but he used Peter. Hey, Peter is the one who led the Gentile, Cornelius to the Lord. By the way, I'm a Gentile. You're a Gentile. God used Peter to open the door for the gospel to be given to that of the Gentile. Peter was used mightily of God. But I want to tell you, there was a great valuable lesson. Simon! Simon! Satan desires to have thee and to sift thee like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Aren't you glad we got a God who cares about us? Don't ever underestimate your foe. Don't ever overestimate your flesh. And don't ever misestimate your Heavenly Father. There may be somebody here tonight, you've gotten away from God a little bit. Maybe it's because you didn't believe the devil could do what he could do. Maybe it's because you allowed your flesh to do things and you thought you had it in the bag. Can I tell you, God can restore you. God can help you. God can use you. But you've got to come to God with a broken heart, with a broken and a contrite spirit. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. 
That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.